Okay. Here we are. <laughs> We're back. It's been so long. <laughs> we, we apologize to all of the fans. We really, like, we set it up like um, we were going to be better. We were starting season two. We were really good for two weeks. <laughs> and then we really failed. But we're back with hopefully a great episode. I think it'll be interesting, mm-hmm. topical. <laughs> All those things. Entertaining. <laughs> That's the dream. Yes. We're in a new pod fort. <laughs> yeah, Kelly moved. Yes. So new pod fort, new topic. Um, trying again at being better at podcasting yeah. mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So today we're going to talk about Nanette. Um, so else you want to like give a little brief synopsis of what, what is Nanette yeah. and what is it about? Great, great question. Um, so Nanette is a Netflix special by comedian Hannah Gadsby. Um, it's like what an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And it's like a interesting mashup of parts of it, especially initially start off as like very standard stand-up comedy like it's hilarious and well done yeah and well observed at all points but then as it progresses it progresses it gets into a territory that's a little bit more of at some points a ted talk at some points like a very emotional conversation between friends the premise is basically that she's like telling you that it's a comedy special about how she's quitting comedy yeah and she's like explaining to you why so it when it starts off you definitely think this is just your average run-of-the-mill traditional netflix comedy special and then as it progresses you're you're like holy shit no that's not it's so much more than that um i think we should just say now spoiler alert oh yes (laughs) if you haven't watched it yet and you want to watch it before we tell you all of the things about it honestly it was so good i kind of want to tell you to just like pause and watch it (laughs) and then yeah um obviously care deeply about our reaction yeah to or i mean so. even though obviously we will we will spoil things we won't do it as well as she did there's just it's just yeah. not possible it's still so worth it to... it's still worth checking out watch her um so a lot of what she talked about um so she is uh like a lesbian comedian and she talks a lot about how in the past as a comedian a lot of what she's done is self-deprecating humor and how when you are a person who exists in the margins that isn't she says that isn't um a humility that's humiliation and so that's one of the main reasons that she feels that she needs to quit comedy yeah. because she's always making herself kind of the punchline yeah well and so one of the i guess like just to dive right in like one mm-hmm. of the coolest things um about the special is kind of the way it's constructed um so and it, it's kind of like throughout throughout the hour hour and a half that she talks like she repeatedly says, you know, I have to quit comedy. I'm going to quit comedy. And it's like the first time she says it, um, she's, you know, it's very jokey. It's mm-hmm. very like, oh, it's because I'm humiliating myself. And, you know, but like, it's still like the language is still like more colloquial. It's very blokey. It's very like, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to be a real man and like tell, you know, tell it like it is and like whatever. 
She puts um, on a couple faces. Yeah, and it's like each each time she says it, the tone changes and she gets more and more serious to the point where like it's not a joke anymore. And there's actually a point towards the end of the special where she says, that's it, that's your last joke. And for like the last 10 minutes after she says that, she there are a few things that the audience laughs at, but she does not laugh anymore and she does not treat anything she says um, as a joke anymore. So just... You know, even the construct of that, that like each time um, she says it, um, the tone changes and like, you know, she really goes from like, this is a comedy set to something way different than that. Maybe potentially, you know, sort of a version of theater that we've never experienced or seen before. Um, So it's pretty cool the way that she sets that up and the way she constructs that. Well, and the whole thing is kind of her progressing from telling jokes to starting to tell stories. And she does... Um, like she does a lot of like, it's, it's very, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like meta, I guess, yeah. <laughs> in the way that she goes about everything. Cause there's a lot of musings on what it is to be a comedian and what it is to be a storyteller. And she talks about a joke she says happens in two parts. There's the big, be- there's the beginning and the middle yeah. and the middle is where the trauma happens and you suspend people in in that trauma and you come in with this surprise punchline that relieves the tension but it's this artificial tension you've created but you never get the best part of the story which is the ending you never get the resolution you never get to know that like now she has a great um relationship with her mom because that's just an ah moment that no one's gonna laugh at but it's the important part of the story and so she transitions to rather than telling just jokes to telling stories which have that beginning and that middle but also have that ending and have those moments to learn from and it's like injects more humanity into the situation and one thing she says is like that um you learn from the part of the story you focus on so repeatedly telling jokes you know about her experiences you know about coming out to her mom or um as she tells at the beginning um she tells the story about how she's like hitting on this girl and the girl's boyfriend comes up to her and is like oh i was gonna have to beat the shit out of you until i realized you were a girl haha and she's like she tells it like oh i swear i like narrowly avoided like getting beat up by this like ignorant jerk and then um towards the end she retells the story and is like actually that guy what I didn't tell you is that guy really did beat me up Um, like he came back he realized that I was gay and like he beat the shit out of me um and it's it's an interesting you know it's like an interesting decision because she's really without telling you she's telling you like the you know the part of the story that I choose to focus on the part of the story that you know I choose to turn into a joke and tell it differently like that's that's what's important not just important you know for the audience but what's important for her and mm-hmm. that by telling that you know telling it like a joke and telling that version of the story over and over and over again like she's frozen herself at the trauma point like she's yeah. she's isolated you know herself because she's not sharing with everyone the full version of what happened she's not sharing the humanity of what happened to her she's just choosing to you know turn it into a joke and freeze it and try to you know it's like she's trying to convince herself that it's okay and by doing so she's not connecting with people you know in the reality of what happened and so it's hard for her to move past it or to continue to grow or even you know like reconcile with the fact that it happened to her because she's like she's choosing not to tell that part of the story yeah yeah, and it's a part of a story that at the time she didn't tell uh, the police either, yeah. which came from a very different place, but it came from this place of not feeling self-worth. And now she's 
in a place where she has more worth and more agency and has grown up and has like learned more about her value, but for a different reason, she's still not telling the story. Yeah. And she talks about how that has like kind of like, as you said, like frozen or suspended herself in this state of perpetual adolescence. Yeah. Well, and one, so like one other thing, um, we were saying that like, it's interesting because the whole time she's talking about like how she's a master at building tension. And she says that comes like, because her whole life, you know, she's been different and she has been the source of tension. So she's had to learn how to control it, how to diffuse it, how to make other people laugh and feel comfortable around her. Um, and it's, there's really some points, you know, in the special where like she gets really angry and to some, it might seem like she's lost control. She's not. And she even says multiple times, like, I'm not going to control the tension for you anymore. You have to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. I'm not going to artificially, you know, create it and then release it for you. Um, but in a way, like it's, it's so well constructed and she's so like plotted out how her tone changes and how what she says changes and what parts of the story she focuses on and what parts of the story she chooses to tell that it, it's almost like she she does you know become angry and she does lose control a little bit and she does kind of like force the audience to feel tension and to just deal with it and doesn't help them mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like she's still constructed it like she's done it in this controlled environment so it's like did she really lose control or yeah. like has she just done it to herself again where like now she's like back at this um it's this starting point she's masterful like yeah. i was saying like she's she's definitely like somewhat puckish in the way she does everything like she always has like a secret she always has that yeah. uh you know part of it is like this, the part of telling a joke and like the punchline is the secret but then later on you find out like oh there are these additional layers these stories that she's only just telling to starting to share with you and yeah. she's like very careful in how she lays those cards out yeah. and when she does it and, and when she does it and it feels somewhat like this balloon that she's very slowly just releasing the air out into the room and deciding when she needs to stop and when she needs to change gears yeah. but it all ties together in this and there really are great definite way. moments where you can see her like and there's even a few where she says like oh like I've done it like you know and, like, yeah. she like like will like jokingly recognize in a very puckish way like she knows it's happening yeah um I loved I want to talk about the anger for a little bit mm-hmm. because I think that was one of the things I loved is um she talks about like the stereotype of like the angry lesbian or even just like the angry woman and it's kind of like this tactic that is often used to silence women um like oh you're just sensitive or oh like you're too emotional right now to talk and that's a bad thing yeah you're just a woman hater yeah it's just angry yeah you're you're like man hater woman hater person hater like your your feelings because you feel emotional they're invalid and you're not being logical you're being irrational yeah and so they kind of take our anger or at least our voices in that anger away from us a little bit and it was like really great to watch this like like powerful woman reclaim that and be like it's really rare in public spaces to see women be that viscerally and that rawly angry like we don't get to see that a lot because it is you know it is portrayed as like you're being irrational and in order to like convince people you're right or convince people of your point you have to like you have to maintain your composure yeah and to see someone really break from that and be like my ang you know not only is my anger valid and do I have a right to be angry but that's not the point like I just feel angry so I'm allowed to be angry just like any other person (laughs) but even as she was doing that like I think she was very clear at the end she was like yes she's angry and this was important for her to talk about it but she doesn't want to be perpetually angry and she did she kind of released her anger into the room 
um, hoping other people would pick up her story and learn from her story and focus right. on like the traumatic parts of her story rather than just the punchlines of them. And yeah. it's done in a way where she wants to use her anger as a way to connect with people. Yeah. It was just so well done. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's like, like she says, like she has to like be, what she has been doing by telling jokes this whole time is preventing herself from feeling yeah. that anger and preventing herself from telling other people that she's angry. And even if she doesn't want to stay there and doesn't want to be angry for forever, it's like she is realizing that she has to, she has to allow herself to be angry at least temporarily and allow other people to know that she has been angry in order to move past it and to move into those next steps yeah. and that in order to like, you know, have that human connection with other people, she has to be honest about those emotions that are, you know, not always constructive. Totally. Yeah. It was just, it was like this fascinating, like there was like whole sections where she just talks about art history <laughs> and it's so well done and well, interesting. So and... that's something that I wanted to, yeah, talk about is I felt like we talked a little bit about how like the word choice yes, um, really was like superior to any, and not to like, I enjoy comedy from time to time but like some comedy can be like a little bit lowbrow yeah, like, yeah like it's this really had superior language she like throughout. paints with words and metaphors yeah and there's a whole like extended um soliloquy on the color blue which um, i love yeah <laughs> where she's like you know you make a blueprint but if you you know um if you have an idea that doesn't go with the plan it comes out of the blue yeah, like, yeah. blue <laughs> blue is the uh is a cool color, but it's the warmest part of uh, the, the flame. flame. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, and there's the, there's Alice's favorite line, which oh. you like to say it's... Yeah, when she talks about art history, she says, The history of art is men painting women like they're flesh vases for dick flowers. <laughs> <laughs> which is strongly worded, but it definitely paints a mental image and a mental picture. I really want, like, I want, like, a needle... Point. No point of that yeah just like flesh yeah. bases for your dick, dick flowers. flowers yeah but even like um she used my favorite australian um colloquialism which is get amongst it <laughs> which apparently means like to party or like whatever but like she's like very intentional throughout like at the beginning when it's more jokey and she even says like at the beginning she'll like say you know she'll make a joke and she'll say just jokes just jokes and like it's very it's very much more like lighter and the language is lighter and and then, like, as it progresses, it gets more serious. And as she, yeah. you know, it really is, like, you don't you don't see any extended sets about art history. But she really, like, incorporates, um, you know, this, like, you know, higher language and these more complicated concepts um, in, in, in a way that doesn't feel unnatural. Like, you're following what she's saying. You yeah. understand. It's still really fucking funny. Yeah. It's just, like, and even we were saying, you know, just sometimes the way that she, um, you know, like, she words things like is just really superior i'm trying to find them like uh, one of my favorite things was at the end when and it's about this this stories versus jokes and the importance of stories and she says laughter isn't our medicine stories are our cure and laughter is just the honey that makes the medicine go down yeah yeah, um, or she even says like something um, where she's like, you know, this has been theater, like, and theater just gives you a taste of, you know, what something is like when, I, you know, I've lived a lifetime of this thing. Like, just everything is very intentionally worded. You can clearly tell she's really thought out um, the best, like, most effective yeah. way to say things. Um, and I think that that's, you know, part of what makes it so well done. 
Um, and she just goes there. She talks about everything. Yeah. Like, she talks about what it's been like um, growing up as a, a lesbian in 1997 yeah. Tasmania, where 70% of, like, her community... Uh, believe that homosexuality should be a criminal Illegal. act. Yeah, well, and she says, like, it wasn't decriminalized until 1997. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, it was, like, literally illegal in Tasmania, where she's from, to be, like... Who like, she is. Sodomy, yeah, like, yeah. was illegal until, which is, like, crazy recently. Yeah. Um, and just that, like, you internalize that homophobia. Yeah. And it, like, that she, you know, she says, like, at some point, like, because at the beginning she makes a joke about how she, for, you know, she forgot to, to come out to her grandma is what she says. And she's like, the reality is that, like, I still haven't come out. I still haven't come out to my grandma because I'm still ashamed of who I am. And like, mm-hmm. I've internalized that homophobia, you know, from the time that I was a child to the, you know, the point that like, I still haven't fully gotten yeah. past it. Yeah. So she talks about, she talks about homosexuality. She talks about gender politics. She talks about, uh, art history. She talks about powerful men telling yeah. our stories, calls out a couple people in a really great way. I think so. I was going to say like one thing that we talked about was, would this um, special have been as powerful as it has been if it had been come, you know, two years ago or yeah. five years ago? Like, I mean, definitely not like ten years ago or more, but like that it's like it's a very timely and she's not, you know, some of the things that she talks about are like, you know, art history things. She talk, jokingly talks about the turtles. Like, oh my God, I loved when <laughs> she referred to them as the turtles. Like Leonardo da Vinci. Um, you know, like, some of the things she talks about are, you know, older because the patriarchy is old as fuck. But, like, um, but like some of the things she touches on are much more timely. And she, you know, she does so in a subtle way sometimes. Like, she, during the art history portion, she <laughs> makes a joke like, make, make art great again. Yeah. Um, you know, or there's a passage where she says something. Um, she's talking about... Um, you know misogyny and she says like stop wasting my time um which i think is you know int- like she would intentionally would know that you know like that there's the times up movement and mm-hmm. that, um you know like people connect it with that and then there are times where she just straight up calls people out like right by name like there's a great passage um where you know she says if comedians had done their job and you know made fun of bill clinton you know, instead of the girl that... <laughs> instead um, of Monica. Instead yeah. of Monica, like, you know, made fun of the man that, you know, inappropriately had a sexual relationship with a young girl in his office, like, and abused his power, and, you know, then maybe we wouldn't have, um, you know, the president that we have, and <laughs> we would have had this, like, highly qualified woman. Yeah. Um, you know, or they, he calls our, like, you know, directly, like, um, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Woody Cosby, Allen, Woody Bill Allen, Cosby, yeah. A lot of those people. Um, so, you know, a lot of is, those men. <laughs> it is a lot of those men, sorry. Yeah, it is fairly um, timely, um, but I also, you know, I think it's also the right time. Like, people are, you know, because of the Me Too movement, because of times up, people are, you know, more and more um, not just like willing to hear things like this, but they want to hear. Um, you know, things like what Hannah is saying in this special. People, you know, feel connected to it. People feel like hearing. And there's a really interesting part where, like, she says something about, like, she wished that she had um, 
heard a story like hers growing up and she says not for power not for money um not for all of these other reasons but just to feel less alone yeah um and that was really powerful to me because i think that's such a you know that's part of why representation is so important whether it's you know lgbtq um, community representation whether it's representation for women yeah um people of color um any you know kind of marginalized or minority group um it's because it it makes you feel less alone and knowing that there are other people out there that are feeling the same things or experiencing the same things um is a really powerful um yeah healing tool and i think um you know like this was the right time for the special to come out for that reason because people you know we're leaving space for people um to tell these kinds of stories now in a way that even a year ago or two years ago we we weren't necessarily doing yeah the for the first time it feels like there's an audience for it and with each story it's that realization that like oh other people have felt this other people have experienced this oh yeah. i'm not alone and let me tell you my story as well yeah and she talks about wanting the audience to like be the keepers of her story and i feel yeah. like that's part of what's been happening with um, the Me Too movement is that we're allowing, by putting our stories out into the world, we're allowing the world to shoulder them and we're calling on the world to do something about right. it. Right. Well, and I thought it was really great too because like, I feel like one common criticism sometimes of the Me Too movement or of women um, you know, sharing stories of being sexually harassed or sexually assaulted like Hannah does in the um, special is um, you know, people like saying you know you're like portraying yourself as a victim or you just want everyone to feel sorry for you and she explicitly says you know I'm not a victim um but but my story has value and that's why I want to tell it and you know um your resilience is in your humanity and your um your strength comes you know not from never being broken but from you know coming back from yeah. that. Um, she know, says, from, yeah, she you, says there is nothing stronger than a broken woman who has rebuilt herself. Right, which is, you know, and like that true weakness comes from, you know, people who just tear other people down mm-hmm. to feel strong. And I think that that's, you know, that's a really great point that like just you know like the point of sharing these stories isn't like oh feel bad for me and understand that like things are hard for you know women or whoever um you know like the point is to understand someone else's perspective and to hear someone else's perspective and to realize that each person's story has value yeah which of course she somehow manages to like bring back to cubism public yeah. Picasso because this well, like, woman is a freaking genius yeah, just, she specifically says that like Pablo Picasso Pablo Picasso's cubism like broke us from the slavery of having to like you know create a three-dimensional perspective on a two-dimensional surface <laughs> um I know I like because cubism has all of the perspectives, perspectives at once as and, long as they were all from oh, men yeah, yeah. Right, they're not women's perspective but um, she says like she actually agrees with Pablo Picasso like that there's strength in people's differences and their strength in hearing stories from multiple multiple perspectives not just from one perspective and that his mistake and his weakness was believing that he could provide all of the perspectives it's like fucking deep man um (laughs) the woman is (laughs) she's like my hero well and then and it really uh, also really all came back to like she has a um she uh uh not 
entirely briefly, but not as in-depth, like, talks um, about her mental illness. And yeah. um, she has this great, you know, bit where she talks about this guy that gave her some, um, his opinion of her mm. show. Yeah. One of her shows after he saw it, and he, you know, was talking about her, like, taking medication. And he said, you know, if Vincent Van Gogh had taken medication, then we wouldn't have the sunflowers. And because she's an art history major, she, like, totally schools him on, like, actually, That's- not only did he take medication, <laughs> but, like, he took a specific medication that makes people experience the color yellow too vividly so it might be explicitly because Vincent Van Gogh was on medication that we have the sunflowers um but she like brings it back later when she says um you know like that the real reason that we have the sunflowers is because Vincent Van Gogh had a brother who loved him why am I getting choked up it was like like he had a brother who loved him and that he was the one that shared his paintings with the world and he was the one that didn't want his brother's story to get lost because like Vincent Van Gogh in his lifetime only actually sold one painting um and you know like became famous posthumously um so but it's you know it's because his brother he had this connection and he um his brother saw value in his art and his story that we have vincent van gogh's art today um and obviously (laughs) gonna get emotional about it but that's such a powerful point and that's such a um you know important thing to remember that you know when we make those connections and we care about other people and we share each other's stories um there's power in that yeah and that's something that's lasting and that's important no absolutely absolutely um and i think yeah she talks about uh like dialogue and the importance of not always just having to be right but like to remember the humanity of others and i think that's at the end of the day what all this is about um so a couple other things we wanted to touch on briefly um Mm -hmm. One, so, like, there's one, like, joke that she has um, at the beginning and kind of peppers throughout, um, but that she got feedback um, from someone in her own community, like, within the lesbian community, who told her that her show didn't have enough lesbian content. <laughs> um, and she, like, she's like, not enough lesbian content. She's like, I was on the stage the whole time. Um, and, like, it's, like, a joke at first, but um, it also... Um, you know, a lot of what she talks about throughout kind of harkens back um, to this unfortunate um, thing that happens in comedy and in other um, mediums where art- artists of a minority or of a marginalized community are expected just to talk about the thing that makes them different. So if she's yeah. a lesbian, she's just supposed to make jokes about being a lesbian. You're a person of color, you're just supposed to make jokes about being a person of color. You're mm-hmm. fat, you're supposed to make fat jokes. Like whatever, um, you know, whatever that is. Um, and the, how real, truly like limiting that is and how those people have so much, not, not that, that those things aren't important and not that that's not a part of their story, but they have so much more to offer than that. Yeah. And that when we relegate people to those labels and those labels only, we're missing out on, you know, how much more they have to offer we're, we're, or we're just choosing to ignore what else they're offering. No, it's so true. And I think it's, it actually ties into... A lot of what she does is not what you're supposed to do in comedy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, she doesn't stick to her lane. She calls people out in a great way. But the other thing is, like, I was telling Kelly about this. Like, she's not afraid of silence. Yeah. Like, in most situations, in a stand-up situation, an entirely silent room means you are tanking. Yeah. (laughs) It means you have sucked the oxygen out of the room and, like, abort mission. You're done. Yeah. Segway to new new material. And because this isn't just a stand-up routine, it's like this amazing hybrid, there are whole sections 
um, or like minutes where you could hear a pin drop in that room and she leans into it and she's not afraid of it. She relishes it and she builds something very powerful and it's just like really fucking brave. Because as she says, she's really good at this and she's really good at controlling the tension. She really fucking is. she's really fine with it. Like she's like, yep, you're going to be dead silent. And yeah, again, like there's moments where she recognizes like she has a really great line where she has gotten really, really angry, um, you know, about... Um, you know, men and things that have happened to her. And she says, like, she says, like, to the men in the room who feel like I've persecuted you tonight, well spotted. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, she has those, again, like, punkish moments where she, like, like, recognizes the reaction at all times. She's very cognizant of the reaction and the feelings of the audience. And she's playing with that. And she's forcing you to feel things and think things and um, acknowledging them. Um, Which I also thought, um, like, she had... Um, you know, she has some really great lines where she says, like, I, I don't hate men, um, you know, but like she hates, you know, people who abuse power yes. and people who use their power to make other people feel small. I mean, she even, you know, she says, like, I don't hate men, but I'm afraid of them. Um, you know, I'm afraid to be in a room where I'm the only woman. And if you, you know, if there are men out there who, you know, think that that's unusual, you're not talking to the women in your life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, I think that that's something that is difficult for men to hear. And, um, you know, I think it's difficult, you know, like, for example, you and I are white. So it's difficult. Um, You know, I get it. Like, it can be difficult when you hear, um, you know, people of color, like, talk about white privilege or talk about, you know, um, ways in which we're benefiting um, from those systems. Um, and that can be difficult, but like what's what, and what she says, you know, too, is like, it's important to not be defensive about it. It's important to be able to come to terms with that and recognize that and, you know, not internalize it. Like it's not, you know, there are great men out there. It's not necessarily something you're personally doing. Yes. You know, like we're all a part of this system. We're all a part of society and a part of this culture. And you have to be able to recognize, um, you know, when we're playing into those systems of power and reconnect, you know, with the humanity. Yeah. And she kind of brings it back to this point of like people telling her not to be too sensitive (laughs) and the importance of being sensitive and allowing yourself, even when you're put in an uncomfortable, in a position that where you feel uncomfortable where you feel maybe guilty or maybe put under a microscope to like lean into that and to like think about the humanity of the other person to be sensitive to that and to like grow from a connection and a dialogue together um yeah don't be a snowflake alice (laughs) i'm very pale it's hard not to be (laughs) um so maybe i'm not sure if we had um too much else that we want to talk about, but I know one thing. The name? Yeah, we wanted to talk about the name. So it was interesting because Alice told me information that I did not previously mm. know earlier. Because I had said to her, I thought it was a really interesting choice for her to call it Nanette. Um, at the beginning of the special, she very um, briefly, you know, makes a comment that, like, it's called Nanette um, because she once met a woman named Nanette and she thought she would be able to, you know, get an hour's worth of jokes out of her. Turns out, not so much. Um, And that's really all the information she gives us. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, part of me still thinks that, you know, leaving the name as Nanette, um, you know, is part of, you know, is partly by design because it's somewhat intentionally vague. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know, you don't know that this is what you're going to get when you just see, you know, Nanette, Hannah Gadsby, it's a Netflix comedy special. Um, You don't, you don't know that you're going to get 
so much more than that. Um, and so, like, leaving it intentionally vague. Like, if she called it flush vases for their dick flowers, yeah, yeah. you would like, you would have, <laughs> as like... As much as I might want that. <laughs> cottoned on a little bit more to what it was going to be about, um, you know, and... But then yeah. you told me. Yeah, so, like, when she first said that, like, she met a woman and she thought she'd have an hour of content out of her, but then didn't, um, when I first heard that um I thought it was like maybe a woman that she was gonna have like a, a she thought she'd have a romantic relationship with that yeah. fell through mm-hmm. um and um I was listening to an interview she was giving with Seth Myers, and she explains that actually Nanette was this woman who was a barista at a coffee shop and she was expecting a, there was like a sign that said like oh today your server will be Nanette and she was expecting this like little old lady like a little like a nan, but little, like a Nanette. <laughs> and instead, what she got was this, like, bruiser of a woman whose eyes were just, like, filled with hate for her. Like, it was a, this, like, quick ex- inter- interchange she had with a woman where she just felt so much hate coming off of her just for the way that Hannah looks and the way that Hannah carries herself. So in a way, even though the whole session, uh, the whole uh, stand-up segment isn't about Nanette. It is kind of about yeah. Nanette. It, like, it is kind of about, like, um, the Nanettes of the world that have, like, formed the Hannahs of the world and that, like, how without, uh, without having the sensitivity and the humanity to build connections, you're always going to have a Nanette and you're always going to have a Hannah instead yeah. of, like, two people um, learning more about each other. Right. But I was like, I I was like, damn, girl, <laughs> always, <laughs> not what I thought. Always the layers. Oh, not exactly. It was just such a perfect example of like that was like yet another secret that like yeah, it wasn't a secret she decided to deploy at that time. She decided to keep that card mm-hmm. close to the chest. But like, we don't know how many others there were. Like, mm-hmm. and nor should we. We're not like you know she she's not necessarily intended to tell us every fucking thing about her life. But it just made me even more fascinated about um like a hour of comedy that I already found incredibly incredibly fascinating Mm -hmm. so true (laughs) so like where do we go from here (laughs) how do we I don't know who lives who dies who tells our stories man that's so true (laughs) and he's just maybe encouragement for us all to tell our own stories and to not be afraid not to not hold back to um, you know, focus on the part of the story, um, you know, that you want to focus on, not the part that you, you know, think you should, or that not the part that you think will make other people feel comfortable. Yeah. And um, but you know, the parts of the stories that you feel are important to tell and important to help you yeah. move forward. Yeah. And the importance of like leaning into tension and also the importance of relieving tension. Yep. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, you should definitely check this out. Like, I realized we just, like, told you half of it, but, man. But we really didn't. We didn't. I've watched it twice now. I'll probably watch it again. Not yeah. immediately, but, like, Is maybe it, a year from now. Maybe, like, watch it by yourself. Maybe, like, um, I don't know, like, have a glass of wine or tea or something comforting. I think tea um, would be good. Maybe have some tissues available. Yeah. And then come back and tell us what you think. Yes. Definitely. Um, you can find us places. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Okay. Bye. Bye.